Amen. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. My name is Tim Harris, pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church. We are in Kentucky. If you didn't know that already, you know it. You've been reminded this weekend. Yesterday morning, I went running. It was 66 degrees. Do y'all remember that? Remember yesterday was summer, 66 degrees. This morning, it is 14, 14 degrees, and our parking lot is a solid sheet of ice. But I'm glad you made it. Glad to see all of you. Welcome to you. Open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 60. Don't mind the chaos on to my right hand. Uh, Isaiah chapter 60. Let's take a look at the Word of God this morning and uh, uh, make our way on this Sunday before Christmas. Everybody okay? Yes, sir. All right, good. Isaiah chapter 60. The other day I was at McDonald's restaurant. There were some kids at the ketchup dispenser. You know that, that ketchup dispenser there? And uh, anyway, one kid was doing a real, just really just putting his ketchup in his cup, you know, just really, really slow. And his buddy behind him stood there the longest time. And then finally he said, would you hurry up? You're slow as Christmas. Okay, slow as Christmas. We, we use that phrase sometimes, slow as Christmas. Why do we say that Christmas is slow? What does it mean to be slow as Christmas? Yeah, the thing that makes Christmas seem so slow is the fact that we anticipate it. Some of us anticipate it for 364 days. As soon as one Christmas is done, we can't wait for the next Christmas. We anticipate good things with Christmas, and something about the anticipation makes it seem longer and longer and longer in, in, in its arrival. And I, especially as a kid, was, was, was like that. I loved Christmas. I would anticipate Christmas. And the longest night of the year was always Christmas Eve. What makes Christmas Eve so long? Just waiting. You know what, what, what's going to be under the tree for you the next morning. You, you know it's going to be a great day. You know, and you just can't wait for it. You just can't wait for it to come. I was one of those kids that would, like, go to bed at Christmas Eve, like at 4 in the afternoon. I would do that thinking, I'll just go to sleep, and I'll sleep, and I'll just wake up, and it'll be Christmas. So what do you think happened? Yeah, you, you don't sleep. I would go to bed, lay there, just, you know, wide awake, and I'm trying to make myself sleep. I'd close my eyes, and then about 10 or 10.30, I'd still be, you know, wide awake. It would end up being the longest, longest night ever. I would eventually sleep a little bit. Then I'd wake up about 3.30, and I would think, I think that's morning. I think 3.30 counts. How many of you ever tried to wake your parents up to get your parents out of bed at 3.30, uh, 4 o'clock in, in the morning? Yeah, that, that, that never went very well. It's like morning would never come. It just never comes. It's exactly how you find God's people in Isaiah chapter 60. Uh, they are in the, the middle of one of the darkest, longest nights uh, in, in, in history. Uh, and it's not just one night. That's the whole um, suffering uh, difficulty of this passage. It's not just one night. It's been night after night week after week, month after month, year after year. The, the, of course, the, the, the people of God have been conquered. They've been taken off into exile. There's been a, a bloody Jewish holocaust. Sons and daughters taken off into exile. And it seems like God will never, ever come. It seems like God will never save, never rescue, never deliver, never return them to their homes. They wait and they wait 
and they wait. Will mourning never come? And that's what brings us to Isaiah chapter 60. This is the prophet talking about what happens when God finally comes. And it's beautiful and it's amazing. And since we are on this side of Jesus, this is for us a proclamation of what has already come, what God has already done for us through Jesus. Isaiah chapter 60, this is what the prophet says. This is so good. Arise, Jerusalem, let your light shine for all to see, for the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth, but the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. Look and see, for everyone is coming home. Your sons are coming from distant lands. Your little daughters will be carried home. Your eyes will shine and your heart will thrill with joy. Rise and shine. Rise and shine. It's a prophet's word. It's a commandment, actually. Rise, shine. Have you ever tried to rise and shine when you're actually just dead asleep? I know that the answer is yes, because I watch some of you being dead asleep on a lot of Sundays. It's hard to wake up when you are asleep, especially when it's dark and it is the the dead of night. My wife, uh, who is awesome, has this incredible habit of just falling asleep. And she would actually like to fall asleep in the living room before bed. That's what she does. Sometime, you know, right around, you know, the, the last part of Wheel of Fortune, you know, she gone. She's just gone. And she'll sleep on the couch until I go to bed. And when I go to bed, I say, honey, come on, let's go to bed. And then she'll try her best to make it to bed without actually opening her eyes, you know, because she doesn't really want to wake up. She just wants to be in bed. We've been doing this for 30 years now, y'all. I mean, and I mean, it's not that she's getting old. This, she was young this way. I mean, this is how I found her. Um, but there was this one night in particularly, it, it was just so funny. She fell asleep on the couch because she always does. I mean, she falls asleep. So it's about 10, 30, 11. I said, honey, let's go to bed. She didn't move. She st- and, and I looked, she was breathing, you know, so I just said, honey, let's go to bed. And she kind of went, oh, 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 you know. So, so honey, let's go to bed. So I, I do what I always do. I turn the TV off. Usually that'll get her, but it didn't. She's just like, oh, oh laying on the couch. So I turned off all the lights, you know, so now she's just in the dark. I said, honey, come on, let's go to bed. But she didn't move. She's still just laying there. Uh, 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 kind of grunting. So I went, I got in bed and now I'm in the bed and going, Casey, Casey. I mean, the, the whole house is dark. Come to bed, Casey, come to bed. And I could hear her still kind of going, uh, uh. just in her side of sleep. And then in a minute, like, just like that, she wakes up and she says, where are you? I said, I'm in bed. And she said, why did you just leave me out here all night? I said, honey, I didn't leave you out there all night. I just came to bed. See, now she's mad at me because she's thinking that like, I've been in bed all night and now she's just waking up out there. I mean, she came in the bedroom so angry. And the whole time I was going, Casey, let's go to bed, Casey. It's just that waking up is so hard when all you want to do is sleep. When, when you've already been asleep, when the night has been long and you've been warm and, and cozy, just to wake up, to, to stir yourself from sleep is one of the most difficult things to do. And this is the sort of language that the prophet Isaiah uses here, but he's speaking spiritually. 
Do, do you understand that? The night that he's talking about is, is, is more or less not a physical 24-hour night, but it's a spiritual night. It, it's a state of being. It, it's a condition, a spiritual condition of the people. They have been asleep. They have been asleep in many ways to God, asleep to what God is doing in their lives, asleep to what God is doing in the world. And the prophet says, arise, wake up, let your light shine. It's, it's morning. That's the declaration declaration, morning has come. It's time to wake up. But it's very difficult to wake up spiritually in this world because the world remains in darkness. Last night when this crazy, it was a summer storm with tornado warnings that ended up in in, in a blizzard warning. It was just the weirdest thing. And and sometime in the middle of all that, power went out all over Warren County. And we were driving down Lost River. I mean, this part of town that's always extremely well lit up. But last night it was plunged in darkness. Power was out. And it was so dark. I've never seen it dark through there. That's what Isaiah says, the nations are are, are blanketed in darkness, but you, you must rise and shine. Let's just admit, in this world, it's very, very difficult to wake up spiritually because there are so few signs of God at work. There are so few signs of, of God. You can be very, very forgetful that there is God at all. Most people live their lives asleep to God, asleep to all of his glory, all of his work in the world. It is possible to go through your entire life and more or less sleepwalk spiritually. But it's not possible when you are the people of God upon whom God's own glory has risen to shine. This is what the prophet says, rise, shine, for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Morning has come. It's no longer time to sleep. It's no longer darkness for you when you open your eyes and see the glory of his light. Rise, shine. This is the commandment. This is what the prophet says. Now, let's be very, very clear. Arise, let your light light shine for the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. The the glory of the Lord. What does that mean? Now, the glory of the Lord is not something separate from the Lord. It's not like he's still home somewhere way off in heaven and he sent his glory to, you know, to stir you from your slumber. No, God's glory is his presence. God is himself glorious. So when the prophet talks about seeing God's glory, this is seeing God. Now, from an Old Testament perspective, nobody can see God and live. His holiness is unbearable for us. It's too beautiful to behold. Simply to see God face to face would would kill us all. But we're able to see his glory, the, the blinding brilliance of his glory. It's like trying to stare into the burning sun. You know the sun is there. You can feel its heat. It's glorious, but you can't stare right into it. It's simply too much for you. And so from an Old Testament perspective, God has come to his people, but, but, but his glory, his brilliance is, is too much for you. It is his glory that you behold. It's his glory that you shield your eyes from. It is his glory that is so beautiful. And it is glory that, that shines upon us. This is what the, the declaration is, rise and shine for God's glory is, is shining upon you. God has come. And that's just his glory. God himself has come. He has come to rescue you. He has come to take you out of the darkness of this night so that you can dwell in the beauty of the morning with him. God has come. God comes. He himself has come. 
Again, on this side of the, the advent of Jesus, we recognize that God himself has come in the flesh in Jesus. But for the prophet, it's such an amazing kind of, of prophecy. It's almost unimaginable that God himself will come. Why does he come? Himself. He's God. Would there be another way to rescue us? Another way to save us? Another way to bring light into our darkness? Why does he he come? Is it Kirkland's? Is that, that gift shop, that home shop? Kirkland's, I don't know what I'm talking about over there by the sporting goods place. Um, Kirkland's, there were these uh, two teenage girls, sisters looking at a mirror. They're in, in the back of the store. The mirror's leaned up against the table. They said, oh, look, and they were really liking the mirror. And then they leaned it back. They looked at the price on the back, <laughs> looked at the price and said, ooh, mom's not worth that much. And, and they, they put the mirror back. Yeah. Mom's not worth that much. The the truth is, none of us is worth that much. When it comes to what God has done for us through Jesus, none of us, not one of us is worth that much. What he has done for us is far beyond what we could even ask for or imagine or definitely deserve. He has come to us, come to save us. I suppose if there were another way to atone for our sins, he would have done it another way. But he sent his son Jesus to die for us. We don't deserve that. Rise, shine, he says, because the glory of the Lord, God himself has come and shines upon you. Now look at that verse with me. Rise, shine, for the glory of the Lord rises to shine on on you. Remember that Isaiah writes and speaks the Hebrew language. And so this is a, a verse from the Hebrew Bible that we're reading in in the English translation, rise, shine, for the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. It's a really a simple verse with with verbs, just those four verbs, rise, shine, rise, shine, rise, shine, for the glory of the Lord rises to shine. It's a simple verse. You'll notice that the very same action words, the same verbs that apply to us are also applied to God. We are commanded to to rise and to shine because the glory of the Lord has risen to shine. Rise, shine. Understand that the same verbs in in both of those phrases. But but what you need to know is that Isaiah uses more words than that. In, In English, we just translate those same words, rise, shine. But Isaiah is technically not using the same words. In other words, the word that he uses to tell us to rise is not the same word that he uses to describe the way God rises. For for example, the word he uses for us to rise is the same word that you would use to talk about somebody getting out of bed. You know, we're standing up out of a chair. You know, rise. It's that idea of of standing up, getting up. And it's not a very glorious word. It's a very common word, rise. It's like getting out of bed. It's it's that word. But when it uses the word, for the glory of the Lord has risen, this is a glorious word. It's the word that would describe the rising of the sun. Something brilliant, something glorious. So do you see the difference between when we rise and he rises? This is like you kind of standing up off the pot, you know, but it's the glory of the sun 
and rising in the morning. Two different words, very, very different words. And the same with the word for shine. Rise, shine, he says for us to do, because the glory of the Lord has risen to shine. Now that word for God shining, the glory of the Lord shining, that's a glorious word. It's the same word for the, for the sun bursting into, into brilliance with its rays, the shining of the sun. This is a glorious bursting forth of light when it says that the glory of the Lord shines. But when it says that you and I shine, it's not even the word shine. It's more like the word, um, he shines and we just get shined on. You understand? It means to be shined upon. It's probably closer to the English word to, to be illuminated. It's a passive word. In other words, you don't shine. You don't shine. You get lit up by him, but you don't shine. He does the shining. You just reflect his glory. It's, it's a rather important distinction. There's nothing in you that shines. There's no glory. There's no brilliance in, in you. All of that belongs to him. But that's the amazing part of what the scripture says. Arise, shine, for the glory of the Lord has risen to shine upon you. He shines on me. His glory, his light illuminates me. And then notice what it says next. All the nations, verse 3, all the nations will come to your light. Wait, we just established, I don't have light. I don't shine. There's nothing burning and brilliant in me. I am shined upon. He's the sun. I'm more like the moon. All I can do is reflect the beauty of his light. I don't shine. But in verse 3, it says very plainly, all of the nations will be drawn to your light. That's not my light. It's his light shining in me, through me. Do you understand that? People are drawn to that. People drawn to the light of God when they see the light of God shining in you. One of my favorite things as a pastor is to do weddings. I love weddings. I love everything about them. I've been doing weddings for 20 years. I'm still very, very likely to cry at your wedding. Uh, I, I just love it. And, and of course, my favorite moment is probably your favorite moment too. It's the moment when the door opens and the bride walks in. That, that's always glorious. I've never seen an ugly bride ever. I, I've seen a toothless bride. I mean, I, I mean, I have. Actually, I did a wedding once where the entire bridal party, if you put them all together, you wouldn't have had a full set of teeth. I mean, if you put them all, you know, like every bridesmaid, you wouldn't have had a full set of teeth if you put them all in there, you know. But I'm telling you, that, that bride was glorious. I have never seen a bride that was not beautiful and, and a bride that didn't just, you know, take my breath when that back door opens and she starts down the aisle. But, but having said that, my favorite thing is just from my vantage point, which is exactly right here from doing a wedding in this, in this room. I stand right here. And who stands right there? The groom. And I always tell the wedding party, no matter what, you always have, you let, you let your body face the bride. That, that keeps the wedding, everything focused on her. So I have the groom standing here and he's, he's facing that door. He's facing his bride. Now, when that door opens, I know the bride's coming in and I know that she's going to be beautiful, but I don't look down the aisle. I look at him. Now, why do I look at him? 
I look at him because, honestly, I don't have to look down the aisle to see the beauty of the bride because when I look at the groom, I will see the beauty of the bride on his face. I enjoy seeing the bride on his face. Let me show what I'm talking about. Help me out, Margie. Um, Let's just take a look at some grooms. These are pictures of grooms at the very instant that the bride walks in. Look at at this guy. Look at that. Isn't that amazing? Go to the next one. Oh, I, I love these. Look at this dude. Oh, isn't that awesome? Yeah, I know what he knows. I know what he feels. I have stood where he stands next one. I just love these. I could do this all day. Look at this guy. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, I, I love that. I just love that. Guys, do you remember this? Do you know what he knows? Can you feel what he feels? Because this isn't the sermon, but let me just say this. If you've lost this in your marriage, you need to do whatever is necessary to get this back. And and, and for that matter, ladies, if you're currently dating a guy who doesn't look at you the way these guys are looking, you need to forget this guy. You understand? You need to forget this guy. This is what love is. Let's keep going. Yeah. Look. Yeah. Yeah. This is her. We don't even see her, but you can see her by looking at his face. Isn't that amazing? Keep going. I I love these. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I know what he knows. I, I, I feel what he feels. Keep going. I, I, I guess I could do this all day. I love this big guy. <laughs> you know, he's just about to bust. You know, this guy is enormous. He could crush you with his bare hands. But in walks the woman who has just taken and crushed his heart. And, and he just crumples into tears. Ah, oh, I love that. See, this is why I'm a pastor. This is why you should all want to be pastors. I get the front row seat to this. Keep going. Yeah, two different guys. Look, you know, we sang this morning about unspeakable joy. I think one of the reasons they cover their mouths is just that there, there aren't any words. You know, there just aren't any words. And you're just slack-jawed when this woman comes down the aisle and you realize that, that she's the one. And she is the only thing you want in this entire world. You understand? You don't have to see the bride because you can see the bride on his face. Y- y'all know what I'm talking about? Do you see this yet? Because I can do this all day. Let's keep going. I love this guy. Look, Yeah. <laughs> Okay, let's just all say it. This guy is a nerd, man. This guy is a nerd. What a total dork. But but I get this idea that, I mean, the, the preacher's a dork too. Let's just get that out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> but look, look, this girl is amazing. And this guy's like, I can't even believe I got a girl. I can't even believe I've got a girl. You know, he can't even, and I can't either, honestly. I can't believe that this guy got a girl. But I know exactly. Exactly what he knows. I know exactly what he feels. I wake up like this every single day. I can't even believe I got a girl. Yeah, I can't. I can't. Let's keep going. Look. It's like Christmas. It's like on Oprah when she says, and you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car. He gets a girl. And he sees her coming and you don't even have to see her. You don't have to see her dress. You don't have to see her face because you can see her in his face. It's so beautiful. It's just so glorious. Let's keep going. Yeah. Look at this guy. Same guy. Look. Look. Just amazed. Just amazed at her. Next. 
Yeah, look at that guy. Look. Yeah, now, I don't know what's going on with this guy, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not so sure about the best man. Uh, but look, yeah, here's just the profile of the bride walking in. But you don't have to see her because you can see her in his face. Can you not see that joy? The joy of finding your own missing piece, what you've been looking for your whole life? Yeah, let's go ahead. Yeah, oh, I cried like a baby at my wedding. I, I, I cried and cried and cried. Uh, at, in the middle of the ceremony, true story, I had snot just on the bottom of my chin. I, I did. It was, it was so inglorious. But, but this is what I'm saying. I know what he knows. Do, do you? I mean, guys, do you know what he knows? Do, do you feel what he feels? I, I don't see his bride, but, but I can see his bride right on his face. Keep going. Let's keep going. Is that it, Margie? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You can see the beauty of the bride in the groom's face. It's something like what Isaiah talks about when he says, the glory of the Lord has risen to shine on you. And all of the nations will be drawn to that light. In other words, the world doesn't see the Lord the way you and I see the Lord. They don't know the Lord the way you and I know the Lord. They don't love Jesus the way you and I love Jesus. But they should see something of him when they look at us. Something of his glory should be shining through, through my life and through your life. Something of his light should be shining in my life, through, through my eyes, in the way I talk, in the way I behave. They should be able to see him shining on us, in, in us, through us. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because I find it very difficult to put, in, to put into words. I kept saying that I, I know what he knows, I, I feel what he feels, and, and, and I do. I, I, I do. But, but I wonder, some of you, you've seen, you've seen people in your life who've really known God and, and really walked in the light of God's face. Is God real to you like that? When you see a person who prays and really prays or a person who worships and really worships, or a person who just walks with the Lord and talks with the Lord as a friend, do you know what they know? Is, is, is God that much of a reality to you? You see, that's the amazing declaration of Christmas that, that God has come. And it wasn't because you and I were worth it. I can't say that we were worth it, but it's because he loves us. We are his bride, and that's the way he feels about us. He was never going to stay off in heaven and allow even a single one of us to be lost. He came for us. So the long night is, is over, the long night of waiting, the, the long night of being trapped and in, in, in bondage to sin. That's over. 
the long night of, of loneliness and, and emptiness, that, that long night of living a life of nothing special with no purpose, that's over. It's, it's time to rise and shine because his glory now rises and shines upon you. Is it real to you? His light shining. Do you walk in that light? I could ask it the way the prophet Isaiah describes it. Would would other people looking at your life, would they see something of the light of Jesus shining through? mentions your sons and daughters coming home. And for the prophet, that's a sign that God's at work, that that your sons and daughters are now coming back into the presence of the Lord. Let's talk about your own sons and daughters. Would they find Jesus if they just simply walked in the light of your life? Would the light of your life lead them out of the darkness of this world and, and into the light of, of Jesus? Would, would the way you talk and, and the way that you behave, would that point your children? If they were simply to follow the light of your life, could they, could they find a way out of darkness? Your, your own children, your, your grandchildren. Look, see, everyone is coming home. Your sons are coming from distant lands. Your little girls will be carried home. Verse 5, your eyes will shine and your heart will thrill with joy. Your eyes shine. I think it's amazing how this passage begins with this e- enormous scale, this, this God who rises like the sun and blazes into the darkness of the world and calls out his children with his light. But, but then that passage just continues to narrow and narrow. Your sons, your daughters come home, and it comes all the way down to his light in your eyes, his joy in your soul. Is his light in your eyes? Is his joy in your soul? People these days in the United States talk about the war on Christmas. People don't want to say Merry Christmas anymore. Uh, The the first year in probably uh, history, there's no nativity scene at the Bowling Green, you know, square, Fountain Square. Man, they got... All kinds of ignorant junk, but there's no nativity anymore. Candy canes and soldiers and weirdness, but you know, no, no, no nativity. And we can moan and wail about how the world doesn't want to celebrate Christmas, but can I just remind you, Christmas, not so much the world's day. They're in darkness. I mean, that's what the Scripture says. All the nations will come to your light because darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth. They don't celebrate Jesus because they don't know Jesus. The, the nativity for them has no more worth than the candy canes and the toy soldiers. It means nothing to them because they are still in darkness. And the only thing that's going to lead them to the Lord, the only thing that's going to let them know that the, that the night is over and that the morning has come, it's not going to be a nativity on the square. 
It's not going to be some random person at Walmart saying Merry Christmas. That's not going to do it. What is going to lead the nations to the light of Christ is going to be when his light is shining in your eyes and his joy is filling your heart. And when people begin to look into your face, your face, and see something of the face of Jesus, rise, shine. For the glory of the Lord has risen to shine on you. Let it shine. Pray with me. Oh, God. The, The question just burns in my heart today, Lord. If others... We're simply to follow the light coming from my life, Lord. Would they be able to find the way out of darkness and into your glorious light? If I'm the only Bible that some people are going to read, Lord, how much hope do they have? Some of us, Lord, our our own children, Lord, our, our children are becoming just like we are. It turns out, Lord, our children have learned to hate all the same people we hate. And our children, Lord, have learned to laugh at all the same things we laugh at and, and, and to mourn the same things that we mourn, Lord. Our children become just like us because they walk in the light that they see streaming from our lives. Lord, for some of us, there's just not enough light coming from our hearts, Lord, to lead our own children out of darkness and into your marvelous light. Lord, Lord for some of us, Light of your glory does not shine forth from our eyes. The joy of you, O Jesus, is not filling our hearts. We wonder why the world continues in darkness. That is no wonder. It's no question over why the world is in darkness, Lord. The world is plunged in darkness long and deep. The question today is why those of us who have seen the light, who have been stirred from slumber, why we do not reflect your glory. That, oh God, is the mystery. But it's not too late. Not even for this Christmas, not even for our own children, not even for the people in our lives, Lord Jesus, it is not too late because we still have today. We still have this moment, Lord, in which your glory can rise up from within us, shine through us and upon us and in us. Lord, some of us need your joy once more to fill our souls. Lord, some of us need your light, Lord, shining through our eyes. We need, Lord, to be reawakened by your glory. Some of us used to know what it was like to love you and know you like that, Lord. Help us, help us to recover the joy of salvation like that. Lord, some of us used to know what it was to, to be thrilled with your joy, Lord. Thrill us once more. Lord, some of us have walked right out of the light and back into darkness, the, the darkness of grief, the darkness of addiction, the darkness of loneliness and sin. Lord Jesus, today rise once more and shine on us that we may live as children of the light. We pray these things in the name of Jesus who left his home in glory.
to come into the darkness, to scatter it with his light. We pray in his name.